Welcome back to another edition of the Hooper's Almanac. We are recapping the first weekend of the NBA playoffs. Uh, at this recording, we have watched all of the Saturday, Sunday, and Monday games. Um, so seen every single game, one of every series, some game twos. And we're going to be welcoming on our friend and brother of the podcast, Evan Sell, once again. So uh, unfortunately, his Thunder did not make it out of their play-in tournament. Um, but I know Evan is still just a huge NBA fan and obviously has great takes across all these games. So looking forward to having him on and talking about my Denver Nuggets who are coming off a big win as well as Mitch's Celtics. So our podcast is uh, living large right now off of big game one wins. Um, and yeah, so uh, but before we get going, let's bring in our friends from Green Top. back Evan Sell joins us his thunder as I said in the intro are not in the tournament but he is here lively as always Evan welcome back to the podcast how are you doing man I'm doing real well and you know what I think as far as preseason expectations go we were we're good I'm feeling really good about the thunder just to get that one win get the experience under the belt of a lot of these inexperienced players. I think you see how valuable it is in the playoffs right now. Um, so I think just getting those two games and getting, you know, getting blown out in the second one, I think that that's a huge uh, team building for us and keeping all these core guys around is going to be huge in the building uh, in the off season. And yeah, let's Sam press your work as magic and you never know what happens next year. So all, all high spirits here. I could not have said that better myself. I was thinking through all the things when I was watching them get blown out. I was like, this is something <laughs> you remember. I know some of those guys have been in the playoff just as a collect group and with a new coach. You know, I think that is super valuable. Um, but Mitch, your Celtics are up 1-0, maybe going to be up 2-0 right now that we're recording. They're playing the Hawks. You were the one time in your life you ever cheered for Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, proved proved you right there, and they actually ended up winning that playing game. And now you're having the pleasure of facing them in the first round. Um, you're obviously feeling pretty good, but just expand upon those feelings. Aaron, it, it could not be uh, better because the basketball gods, for some reason, felt they needed to give me favor with all my bad luck uh, in uh, in sports karma. Uh, and so, like, yeah, we'll we'll give this guy something good here, and. Um, it won my buddy at work a lot of money. Uh, shout out Reed Paris. And then, um, but you know, it's it's been great. Game two started miserably, and then some reason the at the end of the first quarter we came back. Not and um, today it's been just a blast. And so I'm excited to see what goes on. Uh, we're up ten now with about seven minutes to go. So uh, hopefully we win game two here. Uh, but not only me, Aaron. Both of our teams have big blowout game one wins. Your Denver Nuggets. Yep. dismantled uh, the the Minnesota Timberwolves, winning by 29 in game one. Kind of hit on it. I mean, we, we've we we've talked about it before over the past two years now about how much Jokic thrives against Gobert. But now you get to see it against him and Kat. What is what is your game one experience been like? Yeah, I mean, it was great because, I mean, Jokic didn't even really have to do anything. It was awesome. Like, he came out, he had a really, you know, he's had some highlight plays in that first game. He had the incredible cross-court blind pass 
that Mike Conley said at some point during like, I think a mid game interview, like I didn't even know that was coming. Uh, and Jokic completely got me. He had that. He had the move that everybody thought online was a travel. Uh, that was actually a, an incredible <laughs> pirouette move to the basket. I think that was yep. off of cat um, that he completely saw us there. But mm-hmm. I think it was just a story of the role guys um, and the role guys being basically nobody off the bench except for Bruce Brown as <laughs> usual. But um, like KCP showed up, everybody outside of Jokic showed up. I was really impressed with Michael Porter. We can get into the Nuggets series more later, but this is something we all talked about on our podcast. I think the last time Evan, you were on was the physicality of Michael Porter. And I think that's coming through more and more. Um, And he actually didn't even shoot that well and still ended up, you know, with almost 20 points and uh, 11 rebounds, which he never gets that many rebounds. So that was awesome. Uh, Definitely feeling good, but I know the Wolves are going to come back in game two pretty strong here. Yeah. I was going to say one of the things I liked about MPJ was the, uh, how many times he went for offensive rebounds. It wasn't just the defensive side. So that was very impressive, but we're not going to like stay on me and Aaron's teams all night because that would get boring. And then we would just be sound like we're just screaming their praises the entire time. No, all three of us have decided we're going to just talk about our favorite playoff series game one so far. Um, one common thing by a lot of NBA fans and by me um, is to overreact to game ones. Um, and I've learned to not overreact to game ones uh, more and more as my life goes on. And yet it's still overreact anyways. Um, but the point still being, we wanted to talk about what series has been just so much fun and what we think will be the most fun just moving forward at this playoffs. Um, and I'll go first just real quickly here because it was much more relevant. Um, and I was very excited for this series coming into the playoffs. Um, I bet the higher seed who was the underdog for some reason. Um, and then also there's the biggest tension so far in the series, the uh, Sacramento Kings, Golden State Warriors, who with the Kings up 2-0 so far, um, deer and Fox looking incredible. And then also the, you know, the, the, the typical Draymond green antics, um, when, you know, he decides to stomp on Demontis bonus's chest or I guess sternum area. And then, um, of course, Sabonis does hold his ankle, but doesn't warrant anything else. We brought on the Draymond green hater himself. Um, Evan <laughs> sell, who has witnessed Draymond green's, uh, antics up close and personal, um, when the Warriors played the Thunder back in the days in the mid 2010s, as he kicked Stephen Adams in the crotch, Evan, you saw it. You were the, you were not live there, present, but you were watching it. What did you think of just what have you thought of this series so far? But also just of last night in general. Well, the series itself, I think, has exceeded the hype that we had for. It. I think we initial thoughts were we were kind of bummed that. Or at least for me, I was kind of bummed that the Kings ran into a six-seed Warriors defending mm-hmm. champs. But at the same time, it's like, uh, I don't know, Warriors never really hit their stride. You know, they're getting Andrew Wiggins back. His first game back is in the playoffs. Um, right. So they really didn't have this chemistry that we, um, I think we were expecting them to have. So not as bad of luck for the for the Kings themselves. And, I mean, this the series has been great. I mean, just high-octane offenses. I mean, just insane pace, especially from the Kings. Um, it's been a lot of fun, just high scoring, a lot of emotion that the Sacramento fans have just been just showing out. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize, I mean, I knew the, you know, throughout the entire year, how great their fan base has been, but it just feels like it's been, um, multiplied even more so during the playoffs, which has been really cool to see. And then, you know, kind of touching on the, the Draymond Green Sabonis thing. Um, I don't know. I 
I don't want to say I don't. Yeah, I like you said. I'm not Draymond Green's biggest fan, um, <laughs> but I also I think what Sabonis did was was I would I would go as far as to say equally dirty as Draymond Green. Wow, I think it was equally. equally as dirty. Interesting. I think you see so many injuries where, like, if you're holding onto someone's ankle, you know they can't move their foot or their lower leg. Hmm say Draymond Green tries to like turn and start running the other way. I mean, that's, he's tearing something. I'm no medical expert, but I mean, <laughs> we could have really seen a really bad injury from Draymond Green. And he's saying that he hurt his ankle and he wants x-rays. So who knows? I mean, who knows about that? But um, I think, I think he could have gotten really hurt there. Um, Now, if, is that what he was thinking in the moment or is he just stomping him out of frustration? That's very likely. Um. But I think, yeah, obviously Draymond's was way more visceral and in-your-face, kind of, whoa, you can't stomp on somebody. But I think the Sabonis grabbing and holding of his ankle and his foot is is just as um, reprehensible. I mean, he could have really gotten hurt. I mean, ima- imagine if, you know, someone had done that to, like, Steph Curry had hold- held on to his foot and his ankle. I mean, Steph wouldn't yeah. have stomped on him, but still, like, the outcry from from the league and from the media and from fans would have been like, Sabonis needs to be kicked out. You know, he can't play any more games if he's going to hurt Steph Curry. So, I don't know. That's my take. I feel like a lot of it was geared towards um, Draymond as far as blame goes. But, um, which, I mean, yeah. he deserves blame. But I think Sabonis deserves an equal share of blame as well. Draymond is also an easy target. Yeah. Just because of his reputation. So I think it's an easy out. I really like your perspective on that. I wouldn't go to so far as to say equal. Um, but I think it was certainly, you know, some level of action was justified. I think leaving Sabonis's action out of this conversation was wrong. And at the first, before they went to the review, he wasn't given any foul. And then they went back and gave right. him a flagrant one, which I was glad that they did that. I was worried they were going to walk away from that with Sabonis with no penalty. Right. Um, but I think all the conversations about him missing a game is wrong because of the action that started it. I think the action itself is honestly more egregious than what he did to LeBron in the finals. Um, but the fact was that LeBron just didn't do anything to instigate that, right? That was just right, Draymond right. being an asshole. So yeah. I, I see the difference there, but I was thinking the action itself. I was like, wow, this man missed an NBA finals game for that. And then he did this shit and it's probably going to be back in two days. So that was an interesting comparison uh, for sure. The only thing I'll say is the difference was because he had too many technicals. That's why he missed the one game for the uh, LeBron James. Okay. So, okay. That's, that's why there was that. It wasn't suspended because of the hit to the crotch. It was because okay. he had picked up too many technicals. Um, But, Totally fair. I I do agree. Sabonis is at fault here. I think the and people. You're right, Evan. I think the stomp is what people are going to see more of because it was just much more blatant. Um. So I think there is a definite. There is a definite image that also goes into the fact that Draymond has done this in the past. This is there's a history to Draymond doing this. Right. So, so I think that's that is another part of the difference here, but. Moving even past this, touched on it, we're done with it. Moving past it to the game actually at play. Yeah. I have loved the Kentucky connection of De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk about that 2017 Kentucky team. 
and it has been incredible this entire series um going pound for pound with this warriors team what it, i mean i we've seen two very close games and it, it and you're right it has exceeded expectations and that's what made this series so much fun yeah i think um both games could have gone either way i think um you know the kings were just on fire game one and i feel like they just were more aggressive i feel like they wanted it more first playoff home game in whatever it was 18 years um, 17 17 years and then warriors you know been there done that so i think kings came out with a lot more fire a lot more drive and then i just the way they were attacking the boards too especially at the end of that game one i think was the deciding factor yeah and then looking at last night's game i mean i feel like it's a little bit of the same thing and you know warriors shots just aren't falling right now for the most part um especially in the clutch um seems like kings are getting a lot of the bounces but it also looks like the Kings just wanted more, but I could easily see the Warriors winning both games back at home when we head back to Sacramento tied up at two. So I really, these first two games, I'm not freaking out if I'm a Warriors fan. No. Um, and I'm not getting too too hopeful if I'm a Kings fan. I mean, I guess you can never be too hopeful as a Kings fan. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. The other thing is you brought up high-octane offenses. That is this entire series. There is very little defense being played in. You know, people are like, well, Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green on the Warriors. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins is, like you said, Evan, his first two games back from a long time of being out, and he's still yeah. working back, and he's, he doesn't look right. Draymond has played – he played really good against Sabonis in game one. Um, I mean, Sabonis had his worst shooting night in in this season. Uh, I think going six of 19 in game one. Game two was a little better. But still, I think there is – Green and Looney have been the only two quote unquote good defenders for the Warriors. And it's just because they've had to play in front of Sabonis. And then um, for some reason, Alex Len is getting playoff minutes and it makes no <laughs> sense to me. Um, he's looked, he's looked kind of good though. I, I, I yeah, not bad. I, that, what was, yeah, he was a lottery pick. And the fact that this man was a lottery pick. It's like fifth wow. overall. <laughs> was he that high? Yeah. I thought that was Dragon Bender, but maybe I knew Dragon Bender was a top five pick. Bender was that, was the, that high. Yeah. Is that the Anthony Bennett draft? No, that was a little later. Anthony Bennett was like before Wiggins, I think. Are you sure? I'm almost certain. Like Wiggins was, yeah, it was Anthony Bennett was like two years before Wiggins. There's no way Dragon Bender was that. No, we're not talking about Dragon. We're not talking about, I'm not talking about Bender. Oh, okay. Sorry. Alex Len. Yeah. With the Suns. That might have been the Anthony Bennett draft. Let's yeah, there's twenty. There's no way the Suns drafted Alex Lynn and Dragon Bender in the no, same. No, no, no. Oh no, 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 no! And if no. if they did, they would. I mean, they 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 deserve all the positive regression <laughs> that they're experiencing yeah. right now. Because that's like the worst combination of picks. Yeah, no, that that was miserable. Uh, but I want to. Uh, you guys were talking about the series, which outside of Alex Lynn, who looked really great in Game One, but kind of slowed down in Game Two. Like, I thought. Game two, everybody and their mother assumed, including myself, that the Warriors would come back and win game two. And that's Not what me. was so impressive. <laughs> See, I, I just assumed even the way that they ended that, like the Warriors yeah. with the chance to tie at the end, Steph got a good look. Yeah. They had a couple wide open threes that were missed from Wiggins at the end of game one that could have probably taken them ahead and sealed it. Mm -hmm. Um, A few tough foul calls. And the fact that, as you said, Evan, the pace of the game, like during Mike Brown's interview, he said, we need to even play faster. And I was like, how the fuck are you going to play faster? Yeah. And 
they did it. Like they were just literally sprinting out the court and they made bad decision times, like Monk especially, um, off like passing the ball. It just kind of was wild, but it worked out because they were just able to catch the Warriors defense off guard and they shot amazing. But the fact that they were able to back that up on one day's rest was absolutely insane. Uh, the crowd brought it again. And like you said, the Warriors didn't shoot the best. I think Draymond being out for seven and a half minutes of crunch time really hurt them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would maybe say the Warriors have a pretty good chance to win with him on the court just to stretch. Um, but I mean, as you said, there was kind of like some of the role guys or not role guys, but Sabonis Herder had much better game twos. Like the Kings just have so many dudes that it doesn't matter. A few guys can be off on a certain night and there's just next man up. So that team is just extremely deep. And at this point we're seeing in today's NBA, like a great offense. If you have that, you can win any series. Uh, everybody wanted to talk about their defense, but if they can play at that pace and score. I mean, it doesn't matter. Completely agree. I think that I, I I'd go as far as to say this is, I mean, this has been the best series so far and we're only two games. And so, Oh yeah. So I don't know. Um, Evan, I'm going to hit you next. What has been your favorite series so far this playoffs? I mean, yeah, I guess favorite series is a stretch because it's only been game one game. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think my favorite series slash game one is the is the Knicks and Cavs. I know you guys talked about that a lot last week on your pod um, with Austin and Adam. Um, but I mean, I didn't I didn't I didn't see it going into it, but after you know rewatching game one. And then watching, you know, the first half here as we're recording right now, it's 66-45 Cavaliers are winning in the third quarter, which what a low scoring game to be halfway through the third quarter. Next only have 46 points. Right. Um, but this series is like it feels old school, just like from the sense that it's so it's so damn physical. Like it feels just like a like a bar fight. Like everybody's just like like it's like getting in the paint, getting bumped, like getting slammed people hitting the floor every possession it seems like and i also yeah. just think like you see like um some of the talent in the in these games like the up-and-coming talent like with garland and mobley and you've got mm -hmm. the established talent with mitchell and randall um and also brunson had a phenomenal game one i mean i think you could you could say that he played he outplayed donovan mitchell in game one and donovan mitchell had an amazing game one which is right. if you're a knicks yeah. fan that's all the the uh, the vindication you need on, on not getting Mitchell in the offseason. But um, this this series is going to be a lot of fun. I, I expected the Cavs to come out strong here in game two. And it looks like, you know, barring a complete meltdown, that they're going to win this game here and head back to New York tied up. But yep. I think this game is just a, a grind out, ugly seven game series. And I have I really don't have a feel for it. I think I want to say the Cavs will win um, just because I like them a lot. And. I think they have more talent, but I mean, the Knicks, man, they can give them a run for their money. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And MSG is going to be rocking. Talk about oh the my Kings gosh, crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we thought it was cool environment. What was that? Two years ago mm -hmm. uh, against the Hawks and the Hawks kind of just at that point, that was a very flawed Knicks team. I mean, I, I thought the Knicks were actually be much more competitive in that series after game one. Right. Um, and then they just completely fell flat. But MSG did not disappoint. And with this type of team, I'm sure they're going to be great. Mitch, I know you have thoughts in this series too, but the biggest thing that I was looking for, which I think has been answered in game two, and I've been noticing this all season, is as much as I love Spider and I'm one of the biggest Donovan Mitchell fans out there, 
is he is so ball dominant. Even if he's a good passer and sometimes his assist numbers look good, like he takes so many shots compared to Garland, who was running mm-hmm. the entire offense last year and is very capable as a second scorer. And there's a huge disparity between them since he's came over. Like he's he's certainly the number one guy, but the, even the shot differential, I think, is too drastic. And we saw that in game one, where I think Garland barely had any roll down the stretch of a tight game. But in this game, uh, at halftime, Garland had 26, had like double digit shots, I think, in the teens. And Mitchell took four shots and had six points. So, like, I think they're already correcting for that, which I thought was huge. We had, I think the Cavs have a ton of other flaws, um, despite being a really, really sound defensive team and having two guys that can, you know, score off the ball. Uh, but... Uh, I think they're really flawed, but that is one of the biggest things they need to succeed in the playoffs is a a nice distribution of a two-man game, similar to what we saw between, I think, like Luka and Brunson is a nice comparison in Dallas. Like, that's how I think they should be operating. Uh, But in the past, it's been way too heavy to Donovan Mitchell. I could not agree more, but you you were right. You could have seen this Garland game coming a mile away. You you had to know he was going to have a big game. The other thing... This reminds me of like 90s playoff games. Like this reminds me of Heat, Knicks, mid-90s, absolutely brutal fight it out games. And that's what makes it and it it just you're gonna see that that's the complete opposite of what you're getting with Golden State Sacramento. And it's not it's not a lot of great shooting. It is a lot of more of a dribbling and a lot of ISO play. Uh it's not a lot of team basketball. Um, this Cavs is basically whose turn is it? Is it whose turn is it now? Um, so I don't know. It, it it's different, but I do really love this Cavs team whenever they are on, and it it is great to see Garland, um, getting uh, having to have a great game. But man, I can't. It, it bothers me because that small forward spot. They're having Danny Green play there tonight. God, dusty yep. old soul. Danny Green is playing tonight, <laughs> and it just. It's miserable now. I mean, now they got. I think they got Osmond out there now with them, but it still yeah. is bother. It bothers me. But either way, I think I'm with you, Evan. Knicks won Game One. Guess what? So did the. Uh, they won it Game One against the Hawks two years ago yep. too. So yeah. I I am not thinking so much. Of course, this Knicks team's better than the team that was there two years ago. But light years, light years. But still, this Cavs team is a lot better, I think, than that Hawks team was. So yeah, I yep. think. Certainly defensively, like they're a more well-rounded well, yeah. team. Well, yeah, the I mean, Cavs that, are the number one Hawks defense in the just, league. Yeah, that Hawks team just caught fire. And yeah. that was back when Trey was able to draw fouls <laughs> uh, at yeah, even a more insane rate, too. Like the fa- we have to remember, it was literally a different basketball game two years ago. That's with true. The fouls that were allowed. Yeah, and asking you shall receive, Aaron. I mean, um, Darius Garland at the five minute mark in the third quarter has 26 points on six of 13 shooting and 11 free throws. Um, that's what I love to see is the free get into yeah. the, get into the rim, man. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and five assists. So he's, he's been playing really well and Mitchell with eight assists and 11 points. I mean, a little bit of a yin and yang here from games one and two. Yeah. It. And it did a quorum get hurt or is he just been relegated to the bench now? I haven't been able to watch. The, I didn't, wasn't able to watch the first half. So I don't know what, happened to him but i'm also saying that he got three minutes and then yeah three minutes i know he was dealing with an injury at the end of the regular season and was questionable to come into game one played but he obviously shot really terribly and as you said mitch 
sort of been a modge podge of green Osman sort of fill in those minutes. I mean, missed opportunity because we were on that preseason. Like we were looking at this roster and like, yeah, who's their three? Uh, like it's it like is, it's almost it's, been predicted this entire fucking season. God yeah, damn, I feel like, like a lot of it is the most. I think the most obvious hole of any like semi-contending roster out there. Like, yeah, I like the think Kings at least have guys that I could say, oh, I there there is no quote unquote hole in their lineup. I don't feel like there. Yeah. Of course, there's defensive lapses, sure, but I can trust all five guys on that team to go get me a bucket. Now, Keegan Murray not getting as many minutes. I'm sorry, but you know he 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 got 16 minutes He's- after starting. He's been bad. I I don't trust him at this point in his career uh, to score at all. And, mean, that, and he's I, not he's, and he's not I, supposed to on that team. He's got they've got so many other guys to go to go score. I want. I think they were hoping he could be some sort of defensive quote unquote stopper slash even just a three and D kind of guy. But you know, right? And he rebounds fine. I mean, the fact that he's even starting at this point is kind of crazy given their d- depth and how great some of those other players are performing. So I'm happy with that, and he's only going to get better, but. You can kind of see he's not ready for the moment. Um, he kind of showed that at Iowa too in the NCAA tournament, kind of fell flat a few times. So we'll see if that's actually who he is, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, we will see. At the very least, they got a decent role player. Um, and speak of the devil, Danny Green just shanks a three. <laughs> okay. Um, Danny Green barely running up the court at this point. The man is just, how old is he? He's very old, but that. God, okay. Oh, UNC. I was going to blink because he was on that UNC title team with Hansbro in 09, I think. Um, God, that. Yeah. Him, Ty Lawson. Yeah, that was a good team. Tyler Hansbro. Whoa. Uh, Hansbro, really... very, very good college player. Not very, very bad. Very bad NBA player. <laughs> Backup small a power forward for the Indiana Pacers and the Toronto Raptors. Um, yep. Wild guy. All right. Moving on. Aaron, hit us with your favorite series so far. Oh, man, this one's tough because I think going into the playoffs, I don't know if you guys would have said the last two series is your favorite incoming or most excited to watch series. They would have been my favorite, too. Um, And I think those are the first two picks. I'm not I don't think anybody in their right mind would take another series in the East, though. <laughs> the three other matchups in the East, albeit with yeah. the Giannis injury now, you know, the Bucks heat is more interesting, but that's kind of a gross matchup anyways. Yeah. Gross. Um, so I'm going to pick the Suns and the Clippers here. Um, that's the only other grid choice left on the board, honestly. Well, no, I am intrigued by the Lakers Grizzlies. True. You know what? I take it back. You're right. You're right. But that's a fascinating series of Jaws healthy. Um I thought that game one was pretty fun. Uh, But anyways, this game was great because I have been in the camp of hold on, just let's wait to see the Suns thing work before we crown them champions. And I think I think they'll still win the series. But we saw why in game one, why they're going to have some struggles early on um, and why a team like L.A., why a team like Denver potentially in the next round could give them some issues when those guys have been around each other, albeit Russell Westbrook, you know, they had some late season acquisitions, mid season acquisitions. Um, but a lot of those core guys have been there and they have a clear identity of, of sort of a grit and grind mentality in the modern day. Like we saw that with Russ firsthand. Evan, I know you and I were talking about it. The fact that he shot what, like three for 19, three for 16, yeah. something disgusting. Yeah. And was like the first the probably the second best player on their team that game uh in, in terms of impact like yeah offensive rebounds the huge play at the end to block it was a Devin Booker shot throw uh-huh. off of him 
uh, and they ended up getting possession and getting fouled on the other end. A few huge assists down the end of the stretch to Kawhi. Like, that was the thing I was worried about is with Kevin Durant or somebody else guarding Kawhi, preventing him from getting the ball. They needed a ball handler that was actually, like, confident. Um, and that Russ was the guy. Like, nobody else looked like they were comfortable with the ball in that moment. So I think he's going to be huge for that reason. Even if he doesn't always make the right decisions, that confidence is important. Um, and I thought Ty Lue coached a pretty good game compared to Monty Williams. Like, I thought that was advantage uh, tie for sure in game one. I don't know if you guys looked at the box score and minutes yeah. distribution on the Suns, but one of the teams that I think is the uh, shortest benches in the league played 11 guys. And one of the teams that has the deepest bench in the league and the Clippers played nine guys. Uh, and that says it all, in my opinion. The fact that the Clippers were playing three centers <laughs> and the two were Jock Landahl and uh, Bismarck Biombo was just tough. So um, I, I think Monty's got to learn how to figure out his, this roster here, and it's going to be a learning process for the guys in the court, too. Yeah, I think he's definitely got to refine it. Um, and maybe the 11 players was kind of him trying to get a feel for it, but I don't think that's the time or place to do it. I think you got to do that. Uh, before season's end, you know, in some of those highly contested games. But I think you're right. I think um, your comment about I'm going to take my little victory lap here for Russell Westbrook while I can. Yeah, before it's too, do before it. it's too late. Um, <laughs> before tonight's uh, end. Before, and then, yeah, but hey, yeah, before, before you get going, though, Scott Foster is refing tonight. And so, you know, yeah. huge Chris Paul, huge Chris Paul will not be winning this game tonight. Anyways, go on. Um. But yeah, I think going back to my point earlier, just talking about playoff experience, like Russ is somebody who's been there before and he's, I mean, doesn't have like a great playoff history, but he knows what it takes to win in the playoffs. And mm -hmm. like, like, just like you said, Aaron, like having that intensity and just, just knowing what it takes to win, knowing what it takes, like, he's like, All right, I mean, shooting three for 19. So I got to do something else. He's going to keep shooting the ball, but he's going to try to make up <laughs> for it on, on other ways. Um, and I saw some stat today, and I wish I had remembered it, or I wish I had wrote it down. But some crazy stat about the sun shooting percentage um, when Russ was guarding oh, the main ball handler. 59 possessions, they only had six points. There you he go. guarded Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and wow. uh, Kevin Durant. He only let up six points uh, from those guys. The Chris Paul say, thing is weird. I think he's a really good matchup on Paul. The other guys totally. are going to regress back to the team, but... I think somebody else had said this, but the confidence that he has to guard Kevin Durant, or at least the comfortability because of their their relationship together in OKC, I think means something. I think Durant's still going to cook him at some point here, but uh, the Paul matchup is a tough one. I think Russ could guard him pretty well at Paul's current uh, state. Yeah, that's one of uh, Russ's <clears throat> best playoff achievements is just completely owning Chris Paul. I mean, in multiple yeah. series, we see... Like you said, I think it's a physicality thing. I think it's yeah. a athleticism thing to where yeah. in a seven game series, you just slowly get worn down and the tougher man wins. And um, Russ usually seems to be that guy. But, you know, like I don't like we say, I don't want to overreact to game ones. I, I don't you know, we can talk about Monty Williams more about how he probably didn't do well in his rotations. And I mean. I don't know if it's a Monty Williams thing, but I don't know why Kevin Durant's not getting more of these shots, especially at the end of the game. I know it's been yeah. really well documented and talked about, but there's yeah. several possessions where he's just, you know, standing in the corner and playing that, you know, that three and D role where he needs to be, he or Devin Booker needs to be initiating it. I think Chris Paul can be your, your backup guy, your, your fail safe if you can't get anything, but 
with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker on the floor, the ball needs to be in either one of their hands. I mean, this is why you traded for Kevin Durant was for these moments. And you'd be a fool to not take advantage of the talent that you got. Yeah. They used him like they used Mikhail Bridges. That's the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's that's insane. (laughs) Right. That's stupid. That, I mean, there's a guy and, I, I was going to make the dumb comment of like, is Kevin Durant broken in the playoffs after last year? But you know, this is, that's just oh, not God. true at all. He that's almost a had dumb. a triple, he almost had a triple double. I mean, it was a dumb, yeah, it was, was a dumb joke. It was a dumb joke. They, but he, no, he, he had, had a great what game. You call like a Sambor double double, which is the classic Jokic one away from a triple double. Basically, every game he doesn't have a triple double. Um, right. But like the fact that he had 11 assists, I mean, at least he was doing other stuff. Like I thought he was oh, a great yeah. distributor. I'd, I think that's something they're going to figure out. The fact that he logged 45 minutes and had to play defense on Kawhi for, I don't know, at least half of the possessions he was on the floor. Yeah. Probably impacted his ability to, you know, put it all in on the offense. No, I, I was completely kidding. I think he had a fantastic game, honestly, but Kawhi Leonard, all you brought, you brought up the other guy. I want to, and we talked about the Suns a lot. The Clippers played great. And the guy who played a great game was Kawhi Leonard. And like, it looked like, Raptors version of Kawhi Leonard like that one year where he was like put me let me put you on my back and let's go the thing is also like the Raptors of that team Evan you brought it up the Clippers just look scared and the only guy who didn't look scared was Russell Westbrook which yeah. was kind of reminds me of what Kyle Lowry was to that Raptors team like mm. hey I'm the only other guy who's going to go get going here um, it's that's until if they make it to the second round Paul George comes back hopefully like that he can like lessen the load on it a little bit, but even still, I Kawhi Leonard has the ability to carry a team. We've seen it before. Of course, it's been four years since we've seen it, but I was, as he showed in game one, he has the ability to do it, whether or not he can carry it for a full series against a team. Like we've said, that has two of the best shooters scorers in the league. It's going to be tough. Um, the other thing I'll finally hit on, and Aaron, I think you were the one who kind of talked about it. Maybe it was um, Evan too. But the other thing that scares me is the Suns' unwillingness or not want to shoot threes like the normal NBA team does. Yes. Like, yes. yeah, that that is. I've been I've been on this all. That's season. right. It was it was you, and that's what's yeah. going to hurt them. That, and you were right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this because we talked about it with the Matt. I mean, we talked about like the d- potential series, like if they were to end up somehow playing the Kings, like mm-hmm. that Kings team could run them out it, with how well they're shooting the three. Uh, the yep. Clippers have to just, if they hit 15 threes one night, the game's over. I think the Clippers run that. Yep. So I think they're, yeah, they're, I'm trying to find the best word for it, but it's truly really just comes resistance. Down. Resist. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate it. My grammar was failing me and my synonyms weren't there. Uh, but no, like I, the resistance to shoot threes, the reluctance to shoot threes. That's the other there word. We I, there yeah. we go. Synonyms coming You're out there. I'm the, the walking th- on the, on the walking thesaurus. Um, no, I think the, <laughs> the, the reluctance to shoot threes is what's going to hurt them. And that's what they're missing in Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges, two yes. very good three-point yes. shooters. Not to say Kevin Durant isn't a good three-point shooter. You just lessen your options, though, when you're shooting three-pointers because of them. So it hurts you. I think it's going to hurt them this series, and it sucks to say. But I, I, yep. you, you know, I know you said the Suns, Aaron, and I'm not overreacting to Game One. Maybe I am a little bit, but I. That's what I like about this Clippers team. They have their. They're guys that they know, hey, I can trust you. Nick Batum, I'm not trusting you to get more than 15 points in the game, but when I need you to make three threes in the game, I, I can darn well 
get you to do that with, with your 40% from three. So that, that, yeah. and I, I was shitting on Nick Batum earlier, earlier this year. So Nick Batum <laughs> is coming out of his grave just to kick me in the nuts. So thanks for that. Yeah, um, I think that's I, an easy seven game series. I think that's another one that it's kind of yeah. just a toss up when you get to game seven, who's got the, who's got the last word. It's kind of um up in the air. In my opinion, I think I still lean sons. Um, yeah, but I mean, there's so much um, t- speculation about Paul George too. I know a report came out that said he's likely to miss the entire series, but I was seeing stuff today that he was feeling good and he was he was warming up on the floor today. And you know, there was talk that he was going to be traveling with the team. And I don't know, mm. man. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't count him out for a, maybe mm. like a game five, game six arrival. I don't know right. if if he if he really feels better. Game six at home. Yeah, like if he's able to stay at home and not travel for game five in between four and five. Yeah, um, that's I think probably the right timeline. I mean, that's the biggest question is I I don't think that they can beat the Suns even with all the Suns' flaws, lack of experience, getting out coached without Paul George at the end of the day. Like, I don't. I mean, maybe Kawhi will be able to put up thirty eight on fifty plus percent shooting from the yeah. field and sixty percent shooting from deep every single game, but I I don't think so. I just I mean you. You mentioned like Nick Batum. I like Nick Batum. I like Eric Gordon. I like some of their bench players like, and like Terrence Mann, but mm-hmm. I just don't necessarily. Powell's been great. I just don't trust all of them to be knocked down three point shooters. Oh, I mean, sure. they still only shot it just over 32% from deep last game. The difference was, Mitch, as you said, they took 12 more three pointers uh, than the Suns. So it was just like pure volume. We're going to pretty much have the same efficiency, but we're going to get, you know, 12 more points because we just shoot that many threes. The Suns take the most uh, amount of 10 to 14 foot shots in the mid range <laughs> than any other team. They take the second most 15 to 19 foot mid range shots, deep twos uh, in the NBA. They like that's what they do. Uh, Kevin Durant can shoot threes. Devin Booker can shoot threes. Chris Paul can sometimes shoot threes now, but they would much rather prefer to shoot a mid-range jumper. Same with DeAndre Aiden. The four best players are all prefer to shoot the mid-range. Um, so they're going to run into that problem against this team. They're going to run into that problem against Denver, who's one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league, albeit at a lower volume. But I think this is going to be a continued talking point, however however long the Suns play in this tournament. Yeah, the... You ready for this? The difference in three threes made this season uh during the regular season of course now you have kevin durant who missed a vast majority of the games in the regular season for the suns um they're they're making four less threes they're taking the same amount actually which mm. is kind of crazy but they're making four less threes so mm. that's my yeah. uh that's my uh weird yeah when i looked you. at the amount of attempts it looked like Phoenix was 17th in three-point attempts. LA was 14th over the course of the season. But the difference is like the twos that they take are tougher yeah. twos. Like LA's getting to the rim and taking fewer mid-range. And I mean, maybe you can argue that the guys Phoenix have, their mid-range shots probably just as efficient as a layup or a dunk most of the time. But like statistics show it's a it's a less efficient shot. So uh it's just tough. I mean, it's it's kind of do you trust the analytics or do you just trust your eye test and knowing who the guy is? as a star in uh in phoenix so it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out i also yeah, the Suns really pride themselves on that or at least i know kevin or not kevin Durant, devin booker and chris paul really pride themselves on just hitting that 15 yep. to 20 foot jump shot i mean they just they love that that's their bread and butter but you're right when it comes down to it i mean 
I don't know if you guys knew this, but three points is more than two. And if Really? you make more threes than twos, well, I mean, you can't make more threes than twos, but um, You can. I think, I mean, you can, it's just not likely. I mean, the Suns Uh, for... guard the three pretty well. I mean, They do, it, yeah. like Yeah, that's statistically, right. they, they they guard it pretty well, and they do have. I don't love their bench at all, but the guys on their bench should be able to guard and chase people around, like Tory Craig, Josh Kogi. Those guys can chase people chase people around, but again, like this is another question of starting five versus depth. I think we kind of see the same question in the series we just talked about in Cleveland and New York. I would say New York has superior depth, but the Cavs have better starting five. Obviously, your starting five plays more minutes in the playoffs, but at some point, depth's got to matter. chemistry got to matter. So it'll be interesting to see how that question is answered in both of those series and if it's the same answer. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other thing is, there is undoubtedly a bench guy has got to have a big game for you that's going to swing Right. the series. Like, and so, The Malik Monk game in game one for this, the Kings, for example. right? Yeah. Like, is Kara, you're trusting Karis Levert? Actually, you know what? You know what? If Karis Levert can throw up 30 in a game, good for him. Um, He can but, do it, but he, he'll still average five points the rest of the series. <laughs> oh, for sure. But the other, yeah. Or, and probably four turnovers with it. Um, but yeah, it, You're gonna need you need a role player slash bench guy to have a massive game. That's that's what swings the series there, and so that's why depth having your eight guys, nine guys comes into play. Um, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I we've hit on our big three series. We can kind of touch on the rest of them now. Uh, yep. Lakers Grizzlies would be the other one I want to kind of talk about. And it kind of goes into the next topic is like just the injuries that have happened so far in these big series. Um, John Morant getting hurt um, in that in game one against the Lakers and talk about a series that has a bunch of different storylines. Um, the Dylan, the Dylan Brooks wanting to guard LeBron James uh, calling him out earlier this year. Uh, the Shannon Sharp, Dylan Brooks fiasco. Um, another guy, this podcast is not a fan of Dylan Brooks, not a, not a Dylan Brooks podcast at, at all. Um, but yeah, no, I think, We we see game two of that tomorrow or on Tuesday on Wednesday night. Um, but this this series is going to be a lot of fun too. Uh, we see how much change we've seen in this Lakers team from the beginning of the year to now, and it's been kind of interesting the different guys they can throw out there to end games. And I know that's been kind of hit on. You have your main three guys: Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and then apparently the new best white guy in the NBA history, and Austin Reeves, and then. Um, <laughs> And then we've got the combination of either D'Angelo Russell and Schroeder, and then you got either Vanderbilt or Hachimura. So I think this seems going to be fun, and I think that series is just gets a lot more interesting now um, with the questionability of uh, John Morant. I have a ton of thoughts in this series, but I'm really, really anxious to hear Evans. Evan, who did you have winning this series at the beginning? Like pre-jaw injury, all the Lakers chatter that we've been hearing everywhere, you, you open your eyes. And Yeah. scroll your finger. Like, what? Where, where <laughs> did you have this series landing? I think I had initially the Grizzlies winning in six was my Okay. initial thought. Um, but now, I mean, it's obviously way in question, not really knowing the severity of this um, John Morant hand injury. I mean, it looked like a nasty fall. Um, we can have the charge discussion if you guys want to. Um, Mm hmm. but I don't know if it's really worth having. 
I mean, I have had three ever podcasts. I've listened to three different podcasts about it. I yeah, I mean, you it. can't you can't really outlaw charges. Anyways, it's a tricky um, one. I think I think the way it's called is tough, and that should be changed. But charges itself should not be getting gotten rid of. Correct. Um. Yeah. It it's get it gets dangerous whenever you start sliding under players who are already in the air. Um. Sure. Right. Right. But but also nice don't fucking jump into the air that high when you have an injury. <laughs> like also yeah. use your brain a little bit. Like come on. I my favorite thing is uh, develop a floater. I mean, he has just... he has the floater. That's the thing too that boggles my mind. No, but yeah. I know it's like there's the other guys who hurt themselves with charges. Giannis. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's not the point. Evan, you go run through this. Sorry. Yeah. Evan. I mean, I think it's in question as far as Grizzlies winning this, but I really think the Grizzlies can still win this um, in seven, six, even with a slightly handicapped jaw. I mean, the Lakers will be like extremely lucky if they get another Rui Hachimura game where he where he <laughs> even scores double digits. Like True. that. Yep. That kind of shooting performance won't happen again. I want to say the Austin Reeves thing is a flash in a, in a pan, but I mean, he's, he's shown flashes throughout the year that he's got this in him, not to this level to where he's ISOing right. on the floor. Whenever LeBron James is just taking a backseat in the corner. That was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty funny to see. And the, the fact that he still made, you know, the shot was even better. Um, last time I saw that was, last time I saw that was Mo Williams doing that on the Cavs back in 2010, uh, th- that level of a player. So I like Mo Williams. I was going to jump in and say uh, LeBron apparently saw that coming as soon as they picked him up. So I yeah. I, I don't know if you saw that, but apparently yeah, he knew he was him right away. So yeah, LeBron James, God, the first it. practice, first, since the first practice, he knew he'd be taking the, the clutch shots at the end of the playoff game. He just, that guy's a prophet. I mean, I don't know how he oh, has God, this, it's so this bad. divine wisdom, but he's got it. And um, yeah, that's just always um, a fun watch to hear him say that he's, God. And he knew. I mean, I don't know how you could know that, especially an undrafted <laughs> guy. And it felt like he was like taking credit for like the the Lakers picking him up too. It's like you yes. probably had no. I mean, he may. Have That's what he does. That's what he does. He takes credit for the decisions he doesn't make, and he doesn't take blame for the ones he does. I yeah, like Russ Westbrook. Yeah, let's talk about Russell Westbrook. Like, God. dude has he's he doesn't even get talked about. Um, but it makes me so irrationally mad. <laughs> Not mine's mine's definitely besides, irrationally, and I'm screaming about it. But anyways, yeah. Besides <laughs> the point, um, the Grizzlies' depth is a little worrisome, but I think their overall talent, I think, can carry them. I think I definitely expect them to come out hot and win Game Two, mm. um, with or without Ja. Honestly, um, I agree, Jaren, Evan. Jaron Jackson looked great in Game One. Um, their other bigs, I think they're just going to have trouble filling that last spot, especially with you know Adams and. Brandon Clark out. Um, but I mean, you're just, you're going to get good performances from the rest of your guys. If Luke Kennard can get hot, I feel good. And, you know, I think it's, it's going to be a really hard series. It really depends on John Morant's availability here, but Tyus Jones is such a willing and capable Mm -hmm. backup guard who can start. I mean, he would start on a lot of current NBA rosters. I think maybe not a lot. Maybe half. No, no, no. I don't want to. I don't want to get into the. Could he start on twenty nine different rosters? Yeah, Reggie Miller. Um, <laughs> yeah, God. Um, the other. Yeah, but, I, he could start on a lot of. He would start on a, a good amount of them. I don't want to say a lot. Who was? Yeah. Who was it? Was it Jeff Van Gundy who said? I don't Reggie know if Miller. there's any point guard. No, I think Jeff Van Gundy was on the call. No. Oh, anyways, go on. I thought it was. Continue your thought. I'm pretty sure it was Van. I thought it was the ABC crew with Mike Breen for that first 
Lakers Grizzlies game. I'm like 90% sure that was on ABC. Anyways, yeah. I think I think it was Van Gundy who said, I don't think there's a point guard that makes better decisions in the NBA, meaning <clears> Tyus <throat> Jones. And he's led the NBA in assisted turnover ratio for five years. So he has that stat, albeit at a backup point guard level. But like it Still begs there. the question, could he do that, you know, at a starting yeah. caliber level? And compared to Ja, who I think always makes bad decisions, but makes up for it with athleticism yeah, yeah. and talent, I think they're a really good partnership in that way. True. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be a series of managing rest between, you know, these Lakers stars. Can they stay healthy? Um, they won't be able to stay fresh just with how often they're playing. I mean, they got lucky here with <clears throat> two games off, but they're not going to get that the rest of the series um, mixed in with travel. I think it'll be... I think it'll be really interesting. And if Jock can come back, you know, even if he misses game two, if he can come back in LA, I think we're going to see a heck of a series here. And I think I still have the Grizzlies in seven. I think I do too. I love that. I love, oh, I love that. Cause I do, I do too. Everybody, oh, wants, wow. everybody wants to hop on the Lakers train. Yeah. And Everybody's praise. talking about Western conference finals bound. Like, what are we talking about? No, praise, listen, listen. Praise I Rob Polinka can... for the excellent job he's done. Oh, sorry. You just put the fire hose uh, to take out the fire that you burnt yourself. You yeah. almost burned down your whole house and you stopped the flames from destroying the entire thing. Congrats. You do not deserve praise for that. It is like so, the most ridiculous thing I've seen the entire couple last couple weeks. That being said, here's my nightmare scenario. And this is where I tie my Celtics into it, the, being, the, uh, being the nerd weirdo I am. Um, I have had the nightmare of Celtics-Lakers finals and the Lakers winning to be the lowest seed to ever win the finals, and then LeBron saying, "Now I'm the goat," and then it's gonna bother the bejesus out of me because it's <laughs> he's gonna it's it's gonna be because LeBron won against the Celtics and the history of the Celtics Lakers and the fact that he was the lowest seed to ever win a championship. God, it's gonna. I've had the nightmare. <laughs> I mean, already mad. He's already pre mad. I think there's Shocker. a reason that's an. I think there's a reason that's a nightmare because nightmare is not real life, and the Celtics, <laughs> would, the Celtics would beat the Lakers in five games. And Mitch, I know you've sure had some weird so. nightmares in the past, which we don't need to delve into. Um, hashtag Kevin, but no, uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, maybe the Lakers win the series. But I think everybody talks about wants to talk about job, but the Grizzlies have been one of the most resilient teams when their star has been out. Like yeah. even last year, I think there were some insane records with jaw out, how they were able to maintain their, their record. And they even did that in the playoffs, right? They beat the warriors one at least one game on the road. Was that on the road? Uh, um, I think that was in Memphis. It was game okay. uh, five in Memphis or wait, no, it might've been game four in Golden state. I don't remember. Anyways, not the yeah. point. anyways, they, they at least showed some heart and, I really like their depth and I've been more impressed by the defensive player of the year in 2022, 2023 and Jaron Jackson jr. So uh, Desmond Bain's a dog. It's just that bench that you said, Evan, like I think they're really, really missing uh, the D'Anthony Melton's, the Kyle Anderson's that were there last year. Absolutely. um, And replacing them with some of these other guys. I, that's the big kicker for me uh, is maybe this roster is not built to withstand a jaw injury like they were last year. Maybe maybe that's the difference. But I still do think they're really tough, and I, I would like them in game two for sure to bounce back. That's fair. I think the Grizzlies are 11-8 and eight without Ja Morant this year. If I remember seeing that earlier, I, I think that was – so it's a little different than last year. Um, but even still, I think I saw the Grizzlies in seven. As if, if I get five games of Ja Morant – I've, if, if if they miss game two, I still think the Grizzlies win game two. 
But if we get five full games of John Moran after this, I like the I like the Grizzlies. Um, we can just touch on these last few. Yeah. We got the th- we got, we got the we'll talk about the Nuggets here a little bit. Uh, the twenty nine point shellacking uh, against the Jeez. Timberwolves. Um, we kind of touched on it a little bit with the MPJ stuff. Murray looked solid, but it was KCP mm-hmm. who kind of stepped there up there as well. Um, yeah, Nuggets looked really good, and I I don't see this going past five games. I would. I mean, Aaron, I'll let you take the floor here. Your team. No, no, please go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I would. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a sweep here. I think. Oh yeah. I think, Woo, I baby, think, let's go. I think we saw the height of the Timberwolves in the last playoff playing game against the 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 Thunder, or the Thunder's tallest man is six nine. I mean, <laughs> I think I think a lot of people are like, oh man, maybe the Timberwolves can give the Nuggets a series with their size and their and their no. length defensively. I think we got. I think we saw exactly in game one what we're going to see for the rest of the series. And like we talked about, Jokic didn't even have to try. He didn't have to try. Yeah. Imagine if he's out there trying. Imagine if if Jamal Murray is playing, you know, clutch minutes that actually matter. Like even if the Timberwolves can manage to keep the, a game in single digits, I'm gonna I'm gonna back the two time MVP in the clutch. If that's alright with you guys, like I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna trust him to make the right decisions over Anthony Edwards or over Cat. I mean. The Timberwolves have the talent to keep the game close, but they don't have the talent and the experience to close out a game, especially against the seasoned and, and veteran uh, Nuggets roster. I just don't see it. I'm really glad you said that. It makes me happy. Um, and you talked about the closing out the game. We need any more evidence than what happened in the playing game against the Lakers. Yep. How bad the Minnesota yep. Timberwolves looked in that end. Albeit the Lakers also were <laughs> terrible and very bad, they very bad for time with 0.9 seconds left because Anthony Davis had <laughs> 10 feet of space and somehow fouled Mike Conley on a three. But the Timberwolves made bad decision after bad decision. I think they only scored like less. I think they scored less than 10 points in that fourth quarter. They were horrendous. Um, they had nine going into it and uh, and then they had 12 because of the Mike Conley three. Right. OK. Yeah. So awful 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 stretch in the fourth and the what the nuggets have been really good this year is closing teams out in the fourth and they also get out to really big leads in the first quarter especially at home so that's kind of a nice combo um if you can cruise through the bad bench stretches in the middle hopefully um but that's my biggest concern uh but this Chris this uh Timberwolves team excuse me is a lot less scary without Jalen McDaniels uh, I was going to be really scared if if McDaniel's was playing in this series, what he could be able to do to switch on to maybe Murray, especially. I think probably Porter's a more natural matchup for him, but I could see him causing problems for Murray. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm just glad he decided to punch a wall because that that would have made things a lot more difficult. But I think this Nuggets team probably wins in five. Uh, we'll we'll say they win back on their home floor. I'll, I think the Wolves win one game, and I think they could be spicy in this coming game. They just didn't the ball well at all yeah but i just think you know i don't know if we want to revisit the whole towns go bear thing here but it just came to me also when looking at what the mavs ended their season like with the two point guards investing your uh roster so heavily in one position like the wolves did here at center and like the mavs did at point guard like i just don't think that makes for a very good team honestly uh oh god no when you're that much cap space at one position that's not a wing 
Like the right. wing position, I think is the only, which is a very broad, I mean, you can go from two to four there, but like the Celtics, like, yeah, that's totally fine. But when you get on the extremes, that's when your roster becomes really faulty. So I think this is another, if this series goes the way it is, and you are in a matchup that should be catered to your team with the best player being a center on the opponent and you're, <laughs> you still lose in four or five. I, I think that is kind of the end of the story on this whole debate. Definitely agree. They're also missing their backup center, their third center, and Nas. Like they needed a third center. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, Right. Nas Reed has been really impactful for them, though. But um, that's the hilarious point. Is like three of their (laughs) five impactful players are centers. God, they don't. They don't need Gobert at all. No, I. He'll be moved. I would be shocked if he isn't. Um, Okay. Uh, Let's hit the three other East ones: Sixers, Nets. I, I don't think this is a sweep. I think I think the Nets showed last night in the game two. They're down to so the Sixers are up 2-0. I think last night the Nets showed the uh the inconsistencies of the Sixers. Uh one of them being that there's this guy named James Harden who uh relies on the on the free throw line to score. Um he didn't have that last night and he hasn't had it all series. Um, and so I, um, you saw, yes, you can trap Joel Embiid. It's how how teams figure it out from there. Um, but yeah, this Nets this Nets team, I think, can steal one, maybe two, but yeah. not much more than that. I'm not um, necessarily worried from a standpoint of this series about the Sixers, but I think we've seen some revealing things that the six or that the Nets have exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think I saw a stat this morning. I was, for whatever reason, watching first take while I was working from home this morning. That's kind of just kind of just background, kind of just background noise. But I believe I heard the stat that the Knicks, or that not the Knicks, that the that the uh, Sixers had the lowest score in a winning game this season, which was ninety four, I think. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So I think maybe the Nets are putting out a a little bit of a study guide here for future teams that play so the, the Celtics. Sixers. Celtics. Uh, a little bit of a a little hint, hint, wink, wink, what to do here defensively, because I'm telling you what, if the Nets just make a couple more shots or, you know, make a couple more stops here on one of the, that big Sixers run in the third quarter yesterday, I think they can stay in that game and even, you know, give them a run for their money at the end of that game, because I don't, I don't necessarily trust the Sixers at the end of the game. <clears throat> you know, you, you just talked about James Harden, Mitch. I think Joel Embiid's decision-making as far as, you know, passing in the clutch can be questionable. I mean, obviously he's, extremely reliable shooting the ball and taking the right. ball to the hoop. But, you know, he's shown, you know, to be a little bit turnover prone in the, in the clutch. So I agree with you. I, I think the Nets are lucky if they steal two, I think they might get one of them back in Brooklyn. But mm-hmm. if anything, I think they're kind of laying a roadmap for future teams that will have to deal with, you know, Joel Embiid and, and the Sixers. I mean, I'm not super impressed by Sixers depth. Um, you can't, you know, you can't rely on PJ Tucker the way that they do, um, or George Niang games, or George Niang. Tyrese Maxey looked great yesterday at thirty points. Um, but you know, you're you're going to get inconsistent games from him too. So I'm I'm a little bit concerned for the Sixers uh, down the stretch, but for this series, I think they should be set. It uh, it 
makes me mad that we watch 82 games regular season basketball for me <laughs> just to know that the Sixers are going to lose in the second round to the <laughs> every <laughs> year. Time it's like, why am I, why am I investing my fucking time in watching this team? <laughs> it's just, I know who they are. I just, you know, the characters, you know, the coach, you know, the identity of these rosters and that's how it's going to end up. But it is helpful to know when you watch the basketball, it backs it up too, because I think you're totally right, Evan. I mean, in game one, I think the Nets played pretty awesome basketball. I mean, they shot almost 45% from three. McHale was awesome. Cam Johnson was really good in both games, but also very good in game one. The rest of their folks were kind of subpar, but they guarded Joel Embiid really, really well. Uh, I know he still somehow had 26, but like they guarded him really well. But the Sixers just had their best three-point shooting night in playoff history uh, in that game. Like They were just insane. Maxie was really good. Harris was really good. Harden was really good. But you mentioned the Harden thing, and I think this is the biggest reason I'm so confident in picking against the Sixers next round is he just doesn't get to the rim anymore. Like, mm-hmm. you look, look at his shot distribution. Yes, he's not getting calls, but he eight of his 13 shots were threes in game two. In game one, let me look at it, 13 of his 21 shots were threes in game one. He relies on that step back, catch and shoot three, more than he ever has in his career. He just does not drive to the rim. He doesn't have the foot speed anymore. Maybe he still has the lingering injury. For whatever reason, he does not drive as much as he used to. And that changes the way they play. So um, less driving kick opportunities to other folks. It takes puts more pressure on Embiid. And in a series against the Celtics, um, where they're going to be able to keep you honest on scoring uh, on the offensive end, like the Nets haven't been able to, and they can guard you. I I don't see it. Don't see a path for Philly. No, neither do I. And the thing that Brooklyn's missing is their clutch guy. They they have the guys that they can go to to like fill up the stat sheets. I just don't think they have a clutch guy they can go to at the end of games. You can say Mikael Bridges. This is just his first time ever doing it, and so yeah. it's it's tough to watch. Um, but I do I do love this team. I love the Nets team a lot. It's I also someone needs to explain to me why we just don't play Nick Claxton. Is he just too weak for Joel Embiid? I get it, but like they're they're really just they're going small against them down the stretch, and they're playing a lot of Royce I O'Neal. I think that's because that. like. I don't think they're gonna. He's gonna be able to guard Embiid. Claxton's actually not that bad of a defender, but he is so slight, right? In comparison to Embiid, that like, all right, we might as well go small and just try to space and hope we hit our threes, like, yeah. and just play the math game, like the uh, Mavs did in last year's playoffs. Like, I think that's their bread. That's their case study, as you would say, Evan. Like, that's 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 what they need to do. So obviously, they didn't shoot well enough in in game two. They get more of those shots to fall. Maybe it works out one game, but. I like you guys thought they would maybe sneak away too. I I just don't think it's going to happen. And I hate to have this conversation because Mikhail has played so well this year, but I, I assume you guys agree that they need another like number one, so to speak guy yeah. Oh yeah, in Brooklyn, despite how much we love, like I love almost every guy in this roster. Like right. it is a collection of role players that I absolutely adore, but they still need that guy as good as Mikhail's been. This reminds me of the, Nets team when they had Russell, D'Angelo Russell, yes. and Dinwiddie. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And they beat they beat the Sixers one game in the in the first round, and it was game and, one. But and he was coached by Kenny Atkinson. Right. Well, okay, I couldn't remember if Jock Vaughn was in the interim there. No, Jock Vaughn was uh, the year after because that was the year mm-hmm. before. Um, yep. 
That was oh, the year yeah. before Kyrie and Katie got yeah. there. Don't yeah, don't right. don't you dare test me. No, you're Come right. on. You're right. That was but hold on, I gotta remember the year. 2019, 20, it yeah, was 2019, 2019. 2019. Yeah. yeah. Cause I was, at, I remember watching game one in the Lake of the Ozarks, Jarrett Boyette's bachelor party. All right. Uh, because that was also the year the magic uh, with DJ Augustine decided to steal a game on the Raptors in game one when they had Kawhi Leonard. Anyways, moving on now. Cause Ladies my and gentlemen, the episodic <laughs> memory of Mitchell cell will never <laughs> fail to amaze. Um, that was never mind. No, I don't need to go down that rabbit hole anymore. All right, uh, now we go to the next series. <laughs> way, to, way to stop yourself. So <laughs> and I think I think that day I was eating cereal. I forget what brand it was though. It was, it was such a great. We were getting mine. back from a really crappy round of eighteen holes, and I was really bad. That's not the point though. <laughs> but who's shocked? Mitchell batted golf. Um, Celtics up 2-0 now on the Hawks. I don't really want to spend too much time on this because Trey on socks. Um, and thank you for having one good game, uh, having, for having your one good game against the heat in your entire career. Um, just so we can just slap you in the mouth. Um, everyone's (laughs) talked about it. The the Celtics team is perfectly built to guard Trey young. They have the (laughs) Russell talked about it perfectly. Oh, I'm going to switch into Marcus smart. Oh, let's switch back into Derek white. And then maybe one of the Jays. Oh, maybe Al Horford. I'm swatted. <laughs> so it's it's like, oh, great. I don't have a good switch onto this team. And then tonight he tried attacking Sam Hauser. And let's look at back at it. Sam Hauser had uh, a block on him. It was great. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Everyone thinks they can go at Sam Hauser just to be surprised that he's he passes the Quinn Cook test about three out of ten times. So... Um, <laughs> I really don't have a lot to talk about. Jason Tatum had an incredible game. Uh, Jalen Brown had a great game one. Uh, will Will Jalen Brown stay in Boston? I'm sure, fucking hoping so. So, I. Uh, but this series has been a lot of fun, and I and I don't expect this going more than four games. I agree. Evan, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with the the length of the series. I think. <laughs> This is extremely valuable for the Celtics getting, you know, a lot of potentially time off and rest. Um, sorry. I just watched Julius Randle take a nasty spill. Holy yeah, gosh. that was And he was already hurt. So we'll see how that ends. Uh, Anyways. To, your, to your point, I just want to jump in because you made what <laughs> I thought was maybe the smartest point of the podcast was how much it matters for these types of teams to get out early. And I would mm-hmm. say the team that knows that the best is these Boston Celtics. Yeah. Because of what happened last year. Right. God, yeah, miserable. Exactly. Going to two back-to-back seven game series before yeah. going to the finals. Um, and, and that was when they swept the first round, but it was a very hard fought sweep. Like the probably hardest true. sweep you've ever had. They haven't that's had true. to fight hard in any of these first two games. That's been the yeah. difference. Like they had, they came out hot game one up 30 at half, let it back, let the Hawks back into it in the second half. And then they just turned it on and in fourth corner, fourth quarter started game two had a, they were down a little bit, came back. We're leading at the end of the first. And I don't think gave up the lead again. It was, it was a clinic. I don't want to talk about like the difference between Joe Missoula and Ime Yudoka because I can't really do it because I don't know it fully well. What I will say is this, this team has, a dog in them and a dog that I don't, and that we saw a little bit last year and this year that's just brought, been brought out a lot more. Um, and maybe it is just the, the roster that we have in place. 
Maybe it's the lack of Grant Williams being on the court, which has made this this uh, Celtics fan very happy. Um, but I think the stupidity is no longer on the basketball court. Mm. All right. Mitchell says he has not much to say and just finish his second little spiel there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I could go um, on for 30 more minutes. Let's yeah, be honest. That's though. true. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have much to say on this series. I think it's pretty well documented how we all feel about the Celtics and the Hawks. Yeah, I feel like we all hate um, the Hawks. Trey Young is just kind of a, a, a team cancer, it seems like, and the team just isn't constructed to beat the Celtics. Uh, it seems like their worst nightmare, honestly. Um, so I really wouldn't be surprised if this series ends in Atlanta. I won't add anything to this matchup because uh, I think you guys covered it. Uh, and it sounds like as Julius Randle heads to the locker room, uh, we will see what that means for Evan's favorite series. I think it was that you selected yeah. that one, right? Um, yeah. So that could change the dynamic of everything. But for this series, I think the, the Hawks Celtics, the most compelling question for me is, is Trey Young an Atlanta Hawk next year? No. Um, I would put the odds at minus 175. How do you guys feel is? about those odds? That he, he is, is or he Hawk? isn't? That he is a Hawk next year. I will be taking the other side of that um, because here's the deal. I think DeJounte Murray is the better number two guy for a championship team between him and Trey Young because Trey Young is not a number one guy for a championship team. And I'd rather have DeJounte Murray than Trey Young. And I agree. go go find yourself, go pair Trey Young up with whoever you want to tra- package him up with and trade him for a number one guy. Or find someone who can be yeah. a great, a great pair for DeJounte because it sure as hell ain't Trey Young. Yeah, not a bad idea. Yeah, I I think the most telling point of it is the coaching staff changes. Uh, Quinn Snyder, I think that means a lot for what this means for reevaluation of the roster. Mm. Uh, they just signed Mike Bray, who's the famous Notre Dame men's basketball coach, as like a senior assistant. The tides are just changing in Atlanta and reading the tea leaves. I think that Trey Young's going to be gone. And I think that's apparent based on some of the media speculation and also just performance on the court. Like, I think it makes more sense at this point to see what you got uh, with DeJounte. You got other talented pieces and you'll probably get a haul back for him regardless. So I would, I would agree with you, Mitch. I would take the other side of the bet. I just think you got to still make him to stay the favorite um, because of what it means to trade a guy like that. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure that's never easy. Um, oh, never, never. We'll see. Uh, the final, final series was probably the biggest of the injuries. Was Gian- is this uh the Bucks versus the Heat? Uh Giannis got hurt. What was it, eleven minutes in, six minutes into the game? It was very early yeah, in the game. First first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. First quarter of the game. And Bucks kept it close ish, but the Heat had their best shooting performance all year. So I I, I take this game with a very much of a massive grain of salt. And yep. um that salt is very that yeah, that's very big salt. Um I will say this. <laughs> I'm not trusting this Heat team at all. Cannot, will not. And it, it sounds like Giannis might play. He might be questionable. What was what was the status on him? Was he doubtful, questionable, or probable? I think the latest status was doubtful per yeah. Evan Sell, NBA insider. Um, <laughs> but, and if you look at the markets, that tells you everything, man. The Bucks were minus nine and now they're minus five and a half. They are pricing in that Giannis is out of this ball game. So... Wow, I w- I would imagine he's out. Uh, 
And I think I would stand by the similar point made for the Grizzlies. I will take the Bucks in this game, regardless of that status. I think they win this game. I think they cover that spread. Uh, I think you said the most important point is that Miami had an irregular game shooting the ball, mm-hmm. and it was still fairly tight. Uh, I mean, they have not shown us that they can be consistent ever this entire year. Uh, they aren't quite the Hawks, like regular 500 record every two game yeah. set that they were all year, but they're pretty damn close to that. Um, so I, I, I won't go further than that for now. I have a lot to say about this Miami team, but I totally agree with you. I, th- I think the, I think the Bucks will win game two here and Giannis being back would help, but I, I think they win this series in in five probably. Yeah. I think at first I was a little concerned with the Bucks losing to the heat, even without Giannis. And I mean the, you know, the heat are without hero now. Um, a little surprised right. to see the Bucks lose, but I think I'm going to try to chalk it up to um, the Bucks maybe just being a little shell shocked with Giannis out of the game, um, yeah. not really knowing how to adjust. I think I'm going to chalk it up to that. I think at the end of the day, they've got I think two of the most talented players in the series, and and Holiday, um, and Middleton, and I really I would. I would honestly expect the Bucks to win, you know, four straight, really, um, whether Giannis plays or not. Um, I think Giannis could get some much needed rest, really. Um, I think these Bucks role players need to come and play. I think Middleton and Holiday really need to take over offensively, take over their roles, um, which we haven't seen from Middleton really at all this year. Um, oh, finally in game one. Yeah, I yeah, think it'll be good in game one. Yeah, I think it'll be important to see um, if he can really take that step kind of like he did, you know, in their finals run in 2021. So uh, I'm not too worried about the Bucks. I think I think that they should handle the, the heat just fine, especially now without Hero. I don't think, like Mitchell said, I don't think you're getting that shooting performance again. I mean, them scoring no. that many points was so, so remarkable. I mean, that's not going to happen again. They had the team-wide Rui Hachimura game. <laughs> yeah, especially, yeah, especially with the Bucks defenders. I don't see it happening. No, they I, the last everybody wants to buy into this Heat team because of not I who they've been, but just look at the stats. You can have an outlier game like this. We've talked about teams that have done this all playoffs. Mitch, you've referenced the Knicks a couple years ago. That was a great example. I'm sure we could come up with a million more who have won game ones. I think of the Grizzlies against the Jazz when they were a one seed a few years ago. Oh I yeah, think the Grizzlies was that the first play in tournament? Um, yeah, or they maybe the, just. Yeah, and the Grizzlies came out as the eight seed. And Ja, first appearance in the playoffs, I believe, played great. They won that first game, and they got schlacked, the yeah. rest of them. Uh, That's because I, that was the game after they beat the Warriors. That was yes. the, just the Steph Curry-only Warriors team. Yes. And yeah, they beat them right. in the play-in after losing to the Lakers. And yeah. so that was the team that, yeah, they came in, and they whipped the Jazz and hand up. I thought the Grizzlies could have made it a fun series because that was when all the craziness of Mitchell and uh, Gobert kind of started. But yeah, I, I and, was we, and we didn't trust Shocker. the Jazz then. It was just the wrong time to pick against the Jazz because they lost the next series <laughs> as yeah. as they did with that team. But if you look at the Heat, like the the two years recently, they've made those runs last year and then 2020. They were top 10 in efficiency and offense. They're 25th this year. The year they got swept by the Bucks, they were bottom tier as well like this team just has a brand i picked them to beat the bucks that one year they got swept in the first round 
uh, because I thought, oh, they beat them last year. They just upset them as the one seed. And I fell into the same thing before. I, I've done the same thing. But just look at the numbers. This team has not been consistent enough all year. They lost one of their best offensive players in Tyler Harrow, who, Mitch, maybe I stole your thunder there talking about no, the injury. But I think that was just as important, honestly, which is crazy when you talk about Giannis and Harrow. But for the Heat, they really need that yeah. uh, on-ball shooting shot creation. And he's a big part of that. So... Without him too, man, I, I it's a tough path. That's what I was gonna say. All I was gonna say was that you're missing probably your second best scorer in Hero now, and so it's tough. So I'm I'm with you guys. Box probably winning in the next four, which is crazy to say, but I I I don't want to say it's the same as what the Suns were trying to do last year going against the Pelicans because that Pelicans team was a lot better mm. than this Heat team. So, yes, but it's like yeah, you lose Devin Booker. But at this Pel- that Pelican team is a lot better than this. It's kind of similar. It's kind of similar. Youth is the difference is the the naiveness of that Pelicans team and the experience of this Heat team. I think you know what this Heat team has. You did not know what that Pelicans team had because that team was so new together. And I think there was a yeah. little more more naiveness to that team because they're like, great, we're just we're just here to have fun at this point. And if we win this, we win a few games. We win a few games. This Heat team is like, eh, we're probably blowing it up anyways at the end of this year. So let's just see what happens yeah yeah that's a good point i want to ask a broad a sort of big picture question i know now we've officially hit on all the series yeah i know it's early returns but as we start to see now we see the matchups we see the way maybe the bracket is falling Mm -hmm. i started to look back at some of the most recent playoffs and specifically some maybe dark horse teams that have made made some runs in the playoffs the last five years um, four of those years we've seen a four, a five seed make it to the conference finals. We had the Mavs last year, right? The Hawks and the Clippers two years ago, the Heat in 2020. We just talked about that team that beat the Bucks, the Cavs in 2018 with LeBron, and then Memphis all the way back in 2013 with that grit and grind team. Uh, in the past decade, basically five out of 10 years that's happened, but right. four in the last five. Do we think that's going to happen again this year? And if so, who's your dark horse? It doesn't have to necessarily be that four or five matchup, but any maybe outside of the top three seeds in each conference. Yeah, I feel like the I feel like the easy answer is the Suns as far as right. seeding goes. Um, I think I would maybe lean towards them to make that Western Conference Finals. But that's a good question. I don't think I have a dark horse that's not like sus- expected to make it right because um, the Suns are still somehow the favorite even though they're seated right and i'm tricky. just like um yeah. i guess the kings would have been a long shot that's what i was gonna playoffs. say that was what i was yeah. gonna say due to the fact that they were technically the underdog in that series when that series started so i would have mm-hmm. said the kings it's somebody in the west because I, I really can't see anybody in the east other than the bucks and the celtics and maybe the sixers but no, I, I can't see the said, Sixers. The Cavs would be the only one I would have said, and that and if, I, yeah, yeah, I can't, I, I can't pre, make it. Pre playoffs, I would have been on the Cavs and mid season. I like this Cavs team, and statistically, they're there, but they can't beat a healthy Bucks team. There's not no, with no. their offense. I don't trust that offense to try to throw up as many points as that Bucks team. Congrats on you for having the number one defense in the league. But there's this thing called points that are necessary to win a game. Yes, you had a lot of them tonight against a. Next team who just bent over. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I I think it, it has to be the Clippers or 
the Suns. I think those are the only two real options. Um, if you want to count this Kings as your quote unquote underdog, I will throw every cent of dollars, every every dollar I have on that one. God, I love this Kings team. God, I love them. I I don't. They're so fun. I I don't see them. If they beat the Warriors, they'll beat whoever wins the Grizzlies, Lakers. And I know my karma is just really going to bite me after I, I really put it all in on the Hawks to win the play-in. But, man, I I really just want the Kings in the Western Conference Finals. Kings, Re- Nuggets, Western Conference Finals would be fucking incredible. Rename the podcast the Light the Beam podcast if that doesn't already exist. If I'm sure, sure it does. I, there it has, has to be. be. It has it to. It probably does. They, they were created this year. That We could probably find January of 2023 of, of Light the Beam podcast. I'm sure <laughs> You're probably right. right. Um, but uh, one last question, selfish question for me. You mentioned two of the potential dark horses are coming out of a matchup that likely play the Denver Nuggets in the next round. Who should I be more scared of as a Nuggets fan as we kick off game two right now of Phoenix Clippers? If the Clippers make it to the second round and Paul George is playing, that's that. that, that let me rephrase that. Clippers make it to the second round. Wait, no, that's literally the same thing I was going to say out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Paul George but, is playing in the second round, <laughs> then I would say the Clippers. The question assumes they get to the second round, Mitch. I so guess just, that's fair. Once, Let me, once they uh, get if, there. If, if Paul George is playing, I would say the Clippers. <laughs> God okay. damn it. Got it. We got there. <laughs> if if Paul George Suns... doesn't play, I would say the Suns. <laughs> if the Suns lose a best of seven series in the first round <laughs> to the Los Angeles Clippers, and they happen to advance to the second round. <laughs> I think my, my answer would be the Suns, but only if they beat the Clippers here in this first round, they have to beat them. <laughs> it's I can't blame it for being nine o'clock. I'm up way later than this most nights. This is I've hit full stupidity moment. Lord have mercy. But yeah, well, I, I, my answer would be Suns. I don't. I, yeah. I think any way to avoid Kevin Durant, you got. I to. agree. That's How where I lean. The seconds. Clippers. The Clippers scare me just because of their identity. Now, if they do really. You know, somehow give this Suns team. I mean, obviously, as we talked about, they would have to win the series in order to face the Nuggets. Uh, we've been over this <laughs> prerequisite, but uh, if that were to be the outcome, they obviously played a tough ass series and bid in defensively and had an excellent offensive rebounding series. And I think that could cause Denver some problems, but I would have to agree with Evan here. I personally am more scared of Phoenix, even if. I'm not as high on them uh, generally. Yeah. But it'll be a tough one. Hopefully we but they can have to win Celtics. the first round. They, yes. they do have to do that. Yes. Glad we covered that. <laughs> I I do think the Celtics might have a little easier road for um, our trip to Denver, Aaron, though. I Oh, I forgot right. to tell you this. Um, talk with my client who works in Denver. Uh, the the ele- My elevator client who was in Denver. They said they might be able to help us on our on our venture. No way. Might be. There's a hard, there's a high might. Okay. He, I mean, he... I'll take a non-zero chance. I'm cool. With that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, I would say it's above, <laughs> above <laughs> one, but below 25% chance that it oh actually happens. God, but, Russell but, Westbrook is just assaulting the, the Suns right now. Sorry, I'd interrupt that. But only <laughs> if the Nuggets and the Celtics make it past the first, second, and conference yes. final rounds, right? Yes, That's only yes. the case. 
Yes. Only the freaking case. <laughs> Dear God, Mitchell Stupidity is carrying over. But what is also carrying over is that we'll be back next week. Love the trends. Thank well you done. so much. Light the Beam podcast, Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> uh ev thanks for coming on man uh we'll have you on a bunch this uh this, yeah, uh, this postseason I look forward to it I'm, um, I'm excited to see our takes exposed throughout the the playoffs i'm sure i said some things that won't age well next time i'm on um okay. i think mine i've already not aged well already it's been made fun of me <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they immediately they immediately age poorly <laughs> they were they were left out on the counter and immediately molded um (laughs) but thank you all for joining us aaron from good old iowa city uh i'm glad you're home with the family um evan great to see you i've seen you now twice today um and then yeah everyone have a great rest of your day go nuggets go celtics and thunder thanks for showing up uh (laughs) have, (laughs) have a great week guys